gentlemen holding tickets for the Comedy Zone. Please make your way directly to the old council chambers. presented by the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Um, it's made up of five um, emerging comedians that the festival um, finds in different parts of the country. Are there any V8 fans in? I love Melbourne. No. You're like, no, we are not fans. Do we look like we've got singlets and we don't drink Jack Daniels here? Um, you, are you a V8 fan, mate? You get right into it? Do you punch people? Okay, this is going to be good. Like, yeah, I, I actually said that joke once and my Chinese friend was in the audience. He was giving me a lift home. He wasn't happy at all. He was just like, uh, I didn't really appreciate your set, Neil. Yeah, I thought you were a bit racist. I thought you were perpetuating negative stereotypes. Yeah, you heard me. Perpetuating negative stereotypes. And I thought, wow, he makes a good point. But uh, before I could respond, he crashed the car. <laughs> uh, for people that are funny, primarily, um, and when selecting the five comedians, I, well, to make the show, you want them to be complementary to each other. Um, so you, you're looking for a slight variety of style uh, to make a great show. And my last name's Kent, which doesn't lend itself well to some accents. I'm, I'm just very, very glad that I wasn't born in New Zealand. <gasps> I tried to explain this to my mum. She's like, I don't get it, what? Fish and chips, fush and chops, Kent, <gasps> Cheeky. To be a Latino in Australia is like, G'day mate, how you going? Where you from? I'm from Venezuela. Venezuela, that's great! Where the f*** is that? <laughs> that's between Colombia and Brazil. That's awesome! So you're Mexican, right? <laughs> now mate, uh, I'm not Mexican, I am Venezuela. Mexico is a country in North America. Venezuela is a country in South America. South America, f yeah! How much are you selling a gram for? We also are looking for people that we think will go on, that this is a stepping stone to a broader um, career. I just realised recently that I cannot smoke weed with my friends anymore because they're too old now. Got too many problems, you know what I mean? Because when you're young, you get high, you play PlayStation, that's it. But now everyone thinks they're a fucking philosopher. Every time we get high, they've got to pontificate about life all the time. Like the other day, me and my friend were getting high and he just started being ridiculous. I had to cut him off. He was like, man, what if none of this shit is real? What if it's just all fake and I'm just stuck inside a fantasy world in my own head? And I was just like, look, man, your life is way too shit to be a fantasy right now. There's a lot of people come through the comedy zone over the years that have gone on to be very successful. Um, you don't have to... We're not looking for to try and cast people that will only go on to be very, very successful. Some people might be have comedy which is perhaps a little bit different, 
still incredibly funny, but might take off in a different path. So there's, yeah, there's different people that all come together um, to create a good comedy zone. I got into comedy, I did, uh, I did raw comedy, um, a Triple J raw comedy competition. I just saw it advertised and I went down and did it. I was at uni at the time and I was studying law and I just was unhappy with what I was doing, like completely hated it. Saw raw comedy, thought, yeah, I used to, you know, like getting up and talking in front of people at school. I'll go and give this a crack. I started doing it. I made the final, and then I just I just kept going, to be honest, because law was the worst thing I've ever done in my life. I don't like it, mate. Like, what's your name? Peter. Peter. Peter, it's not for me. Like, motor racing isn't for me, right? It's come through our city, and it's just noisy. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just so much noise, motor racing, when it comes to town. And I don't even reckon it's the cars that make all the noise either. I reckon it's all the bogans who are watching going, yeah, fucking yeah, fucking yeah. And then you hear a bang and you're like, good, that's one of them gone. You know what I mean? I did a competition in high school called Class Clowns, which is run by the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. And that was when I was 14, no, 15, 15 in year 10. And I was lucky enough to win that. So I've just been going since then. I think TV's not that good at the moment. Like, uh, is it just me or do some of the... Uh, Commercial stations uh, tend to overemphasize their programs just a bit too much. Like there's always that voice that's like, <sighs> what happens next on Bondi Vet? <laughs> we'll shock you and stay with you for the rest of your life. <laughs> and you end up watching and it turns out like a dog chokes on a lollipop or something. <laughs> Like, Bondi Vet, right? Like, I've never understood that show because I think there are much more exciting suburbs they could have set that. Like, you know what I would have liked to have seen? Broad Meadows Vet. <laughs> you imagine that? Wait, bro, what's wrong with my dog? <laughs> He's just been lying here for like three days, bro. Your dog is dead, Mustafa. <laughs> I got into comedy, uh, I was having coffee with Dad and he was talking about something boring. And so I looked over his shoulder and there was a poster in the window at the cafe where we were which said comedy workshop and I was like, sweet. And so I rang, rang up the number and I was like, well, you know, what's all this about? And I just booked myself in and did that and loved it. So part of that workshop was um, a gig at the end of the week and that was my first live stand-up gig and I just got hooked. But the good thing about having the name Heyman is uh, I actually have... Uh, Superpowers. Yep. Okay, great. That usually gets a round of applause. That's all right. Uh, I can shoot hay out of my wrist, you see. I am, I am the hay man. Like, choo, 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 choo. Sorry. Um, yeah, I was at uni uh, studying engineering. And uh, I was just... I was uh, doing a lot of work experience at an engineering firm and I was just bored as hell, you know. And uh, I decided to just take stand-up just to try and find a different way of... Uh, I don't know, I was just bombarded with uni. I just wanted to do something else. That's what I wanted to do. And I um, went and did uh, my first open mic in my last year of uni, I think. That's when I started stand-up comedy. And uh, it was good and I just kept going at it. And look, I'm 25 years old, and I know that's not that old, but you ever just notice shit or do things that make you feel old? Like, I found out recently that I'm old enough to be a pedophile now. 
Yeah, man, 25 is old enough to be a pedophile. I know this because I woke up the other morning, I had nothing on, just my robe. And I live literally next door to a deli. So I walk over to the deli to get a power raid. I'm in a deli and these fucking kids come in. I'm like, holy shit, I got nothing on underneath. I'm a flap away from going to jail right now. <laughs> There's comedians that I like who I could, you know, know why and how they've influenced me as a comedian. Someone like uh, Will Anderson, who I saw, he was one of the first comedians I ever saw, and he was blokey, and everyone could really relate to him. And I, you know, you see these big guys who obviously wouldn't be too left or you know uh, liberal in their views. And he was talking about gay marriage and why gay marriage is something that we should have in this country, and how he was against racism. And by being funny, he disarmed some of those topics. And I just thought that was uh, something that comedy can do. And so I really respected that that you can sort of appeal to a, a broad mass of people while also having a good message. And that's something I'm not sure if I do yet, but I'd like to do. You know, we had the Olympics last year. Um, give me a round of applause if you enjoyed the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> How Australian was that? We get heaps of silver medals and all of Australia's like, nah, shit Olympics, mate, shit. Like, how crap will we have the Olympics? Every time an Australian athlete got a silver medal, there'd be someone who was like, oh, mate, silver, silver. Ugh. Mate, what are you, second best in the world at what you do? You're shit. <laughs> mate, I was at home here in my tracky pants eating Doritos and you let me down, mate. You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> have a good hard look. When I was working in a brewery in Venezuela, one time um, the, the manager, the, the general manager of, of, of the brewery gives me a phone call. He's like, hey, hey kid, where are you? I'm, I'm having lunch. Just come quick to the, to the, to the, to the, to the office, to, to the manager's office. And it was all, oh, this is, I don't know, this might be a bad thing. When I got there, he was in a meeting with all the, the board of directors and other managers from the company National. And uh, he just said, this is one of my new brewers. Um, this kid tells really great jokes. So I started doing jokes at, you know, during work at three o'clock in the afternoon in, you know, on a Tuesday. So I, I thought, I'm making a living already out of comedy, so I think this is going to be a good thing. Stereotypes! That's the, it's the first thing that comes to your mind when you meet someone from overseas. You cannot help it. It's an immediate reaction. You cannot help it. It's natural. For example, this lady here, what's your name? Jay. <laughs> Jay, as soon as Jay realized that I am a Latino, I can do the salsa. I come from South America. I speak Spanish. Jay stopped listening to what I'm saying. And she started thinking of me saying, Hello, Jay, I am Antonio Banderas. <laughs> and I think you're gorgeous. Let's go to my place. <laughs> and this guy started thinking, Hi, papi, I'm Ricky Martin. Let's go live in la vida loca. Wow! <laughs>
usually when you, you come to a launch, there's a pretty standard speech you give. And you always kind of start with a joke, a, a little gag, moment of humour, a little bit of levity. Not here. Um, what's going to happen now? Uh, there are festival uh, programs being handed out. Page 54. And, um, and so you're getting a sneak peek because uh, the public, seeing as you're all VIPs apparently, um, are getting it on the 23rd of February. I don't even know what the date is today, but apparently it's not that. Um, so good on you. Zone is very exciting because um, it's wonderful exposure. Um, we've got a room that seats 115, so even if that's just half full every night, that's that's stacks of people coming, and um, we're really well looked after. So yeah, I suppose that's exciting. I actually kind of scored somewhat big time with my 21st. So I uh, studied music at uni, so I get a cassette tape of Mozart's greatest hits. <laughs> My granny gave this to me. Uh, boom, it was awesome. I was like, sweet, thanks, granny. Oh, I don't have a cassette player anymore. <laughs> What's a cassette? <laughs> and she said, happy 21st, Haven. I said, oh, happy 21st century granny. It's very special, very important to me because I, I, was, I was having a, a good career as a comedian in Venezuela and I left... Um, because um, I wasn't comfortable living there. And I got here, started from scratch, and already one year after doing comedy in English, I got picked by the festival to be performing as one of Australia's best new talents, best emerging comedians. And that's, it's, it's a great story. It's, it's coming from, 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 from doing comedy in Spanish and, and, and getting back on, but now in English. and. I thought I've done pretty good just one year of already doing it so I'm super excited it's a great honor it's 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 the way I think life is telling me you're doing the right thing keep going so yeah I have to practice my English and then I got to Australia and I realized I have to learn some Australian English should be right mate should be right now worries should be right mate now worries should be right should be right mate <laughs> who the hell is she <laughs> The entire hope of Australia depends on this woman being right. What's wrong with her? Tell me, is she sick? Well, being part of the Comedy Zone is, uh, it's kind of prestigious in a way because it's handpicked by the Melbourne Comedy Festival. So, I mean, yeah, you just get, look, um, you get, you get more opportunities. I don't like getting gifts anymore. 
Because gifts are an obligation, you know what I mean? Because if I buy myself something stupid, I can throw it away any time I want. But if you give me a gift, I have to keep it forever. No matter how shit it is, I can't throw it away. Like my aunt and uncle, they get the shittiest gifts. They gave me a framed portrait of Celine Dion, and I don't even like Celine Dion. <laughs> But because I'm Asian, I have to be like, oh, I show respect and honor your gift by hanging up on my wall for everyone to see. <laughs> and now it's just hanging up there. It's fucking ridiculous, you know? It's just a great bunch of people and the festival's behind you and Gideon and Daniel are great, so you get to do a show with other talented people, uh, included myself in there. Did you hear about this? 150,000 condoms were given out in the Olympic Village, which in my eyes is just a bad idea. Do you know what I mean? Bad planning. Because why would you give people with the best genetic material in the world condoms, right? Why would you stop them from having kids, right? Australia did so bad in the last Olympics. If we want to do better in the future, I would have treated it as a breeding program, right? Like I would have been like, Stephanie, Steph Rice, come over here. You're looking great. Um, here's my mate Usain. Um, if you guys want to get to know each other, leave the condom behind. And in 20 years, brown rice is going to win gold for Australia. So... It's quite a prestigious event. I know a lot of big guys who have come from it. Um, it obviously shows that the comedy festival has put a lot of faith in us. So, yeah, it's quite exhilarating to be part of, you know, the five best up-and-comers in Australia. I was uh, listening to our AM talkback radio the other day, and you know what I noticed? I noticed they love the word un-Australian on a AM talkback radio, don't they? They just label everything as un-Australian, like the carbon tax. Oh, it's just un-Australian, mate. The national broadband, oh no, it's just an Australian, right? They were talking about a murder victim, and I swear this guy called up and he's like, oh, fair income, mate. Killing people is just an Australian. My role with Comedy Zone, I'm the director of the show. Uh, I'm a comedian myself. So I just work with the guys as they get, you know, it's five people coming together to put an hour-long show on, so they each do a little bit of time on stage each. So I just work with them as they develop their material, you know, just not for a long time. We've pretty much just been all chucked together in the last week before the festival, and I kind of just work with them, go through all their stuff, help them, you know. I'm more of a shoulder to cry on, because it's a pretty full-on month at the festival, so we do all the show stuff, but it's also, like, support for the acts, and, you know, because it can get quite emotionally draining. stage I'm, I'm usually pretty excited but sometimes I am quite nervous and like it gets to 30 seconds before you know you're going to be called on and you think oh shouldn't have had that banana because um, it's about to come straight back up because both of my parents are police people uh, which is awesome because I mean guess who dominated cops and robbers in the playground <laughs> um, but it wasn't always fun having the fuzz for folks like I'm dealing with criminals day in, day out, you know, they get a little bit paranoid. Something that mum said to me once was, but I keep your wits about you, Heyman, and always use an alias at the video store. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a really nervous borrower. Um, 
The other thing is they never stop being police. Uh, like I just walk, you know, home time was always interrogation time, good cop, bad cop time. Uh, you know, I'd just walk into the kitchen to get a cup of tea. Dad would be sitting at the table. He'd be like, Hames, taking off the badge, mate. Putting it on the table. <laughs> just ignore it, mate. Not there, not there. Mm-mm-mm. I'll have a chamomile, thanks, mate. <laughs> now, Heyman. Buddy, I need you to tell me where you've been today. And I'm like, seriously? Seriously? Constable Kent? Don't think so. And he's like, beep, interview suspended at 3.53pm. A suspect is about to be sent to her room. <laughs> Fun with the fuzz. Good times. I feel that I got control, that I've got... I've got the microphone. This is my moment to 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 do what I love doing, and and yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Actually, um, when I'm when I'm speaking English, like right now, and with friends and, and on the streets, I'm not that good. Like now, I might be doing some grammar um, bashing at the moment or, or pronunciation bashing, but when I'm on stage, I, I really know what I'm doing. So before I go on stage, I'm, I'm usually pretty excited, but sometimes I am quite nervous and like, it gets to 30 seconds before you know you're going to be called on and you think, oh, shouldn't have had that banana, because um, it's about to come straight back up. Because both of my parents are police people, uh, which is awesome, because I mean, guess who dominated cops and robbers in the playground? <laughs> um, but it wasn't always fun having the fuzz for folks. Like, Dealing with criminals day in, day out, you know, they get a little bit paranoid. Something that mum said to me once was, but I keep your wits about you, Heyman, and always use an alias at the video store. Hmm. <laughs> so I'm a really nervous borrower. Um, the other thing is they never stop being police. Uh, like I just walk, you know, home time was always interrogation time, good cop, bad cop time. Uh, you know, I'd just walk into the kitchen to get a cup of tea. Dad would be sitting at the table. He'd be like, Hames, taking off the badge, mate. Putting it on the table. <laughs> Just ignore it, mate. Not there, not there. Mm -mm -mm. I'll have a chamomile, thanks, mate. <laughs> now, Heyman, buddy, I need you to tell me where you've been today. And I'm like, seriously, seriously, Constable Kent? Don't think so. And he's like, beep, interview suspended at 3.53pm, a suspect is about to be sent to her room. <laughs> Fun with the fuzz. Good times. I feel that I got control, that I've got, I've got the microphone. This is my moment to, to, to do what I love doing. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Actually, um, when, I'm, when I'm speaking English, like right now and with friends and, and on the streets, I'm not that good. Like now, I might be doing some grammar um, bashing at the moment or, or pronunciation bashing, but when I'm on stage, I, I really know what I'm doing and that's the moment where I speak my best English. You know, going to Australia, coming, it's a long way from Venezuela to Australia and then you're about to land to Australia and they show you this video inside the airplane in which they tell you that you cannot bring fruit into Australian territory. It's a big crime to bring fruit to Australia. <laughs> Who the hell wants to smuggle fruit? <laughs> <laughs> like the Italian-American mafia. Hey boss, we have four kilos of bananas. We want to take them to Australia. I was really anxious. Like, uh, sometimes, I, I try not to eat 
before I go on stage because I tend to dry reach a little bit. There's been times where I vomit, like, for real. Like, you know that scene from uh, 8 Mile when Eminem is just vomiting in the sink? That's like me sometimes before I go on stage. It's mom spaghetti. <laughs> we consume too much. We don't have the resources. We're consumers. Remember ad masters? Every house had an ad master. Where the fuck are they now? Just floating in the ocean somewhere. <laughs> or because you stayed up late one night, saw some buff guy working out on TV, and you thought to yourself, hey, maybe I can get a six-pack for free easy payments. You bought one, you gave it to a girl, you went, ah, oh, fuck it. Then you dumped it. Out it goes into the ocean, floating by the millions, I bet. The sharks here, now they're using it, working out, getting ripped as shit. <laughs> Building up that core strength, you know? Come summertime, these surfers are fucked. <laughs> I'd get nervous every time I perform. It's one of those things. Well, I came from like a sporting background. I used to like the 100 meter sprints and it's that same feeling of just horrendous nerves where I sit there. And as, even though I hate law, there's every moment before I go on stage, I look out and I have this sick feeling. I go, why are you here? You could have your mother's and father's respect and be a lawyer. You, could, you wouldn't have to deal with any of this. There'd be no rejection. You'd still have your dignity. You wouldn't be talking about defecating in people's luggage. And I, so I always have that horrendous feeling. That I still think every gig I'm going to die, like every time that I will fail. And I think, I don't know, I think maybe that's a necessary thing to have. I think if you don't feel nervous, you obviously don't really care how it's going to go. I do like sports stories. Uh, that's, that's clear. And Lance Armstrong is the biggest one, I think, that we've had for a while, right? And it divides a lot of people. Like, uh, give me a round of applause if you like Lance. <laughs> one dude up the front just fucking on the roids. Just like... <laughs> I respect him. Uh, you still like him? What's your name, buddy? Lewis. Fucking Lewis. Uh, mate, I agree, dude. I still like Lance Armstrong. Do you know what I mean? I still enjoy his work. Like, everyone goes, oh, Lance is a cheater and he's arrogant. Lance is a cheater and arrogant. Sure, he cheated. I'll accept that. But arrogant? Like, really? Is he arrogant? The Tour de France is a bike race that goes for 3,500 kilometers, right? It takes 21 days to finish up the biggest mountains in the world and he's on a push bike. How arrogant would you be to not take drugs and do the Tour de France? Do you know what I mean? Like, if you thought you could win that race without steroids, you are an asshole and you've got tickets on yourself. Yeah, I always still get very nervous. No matter what the gig, no matter what the audience, I get quite nervous. I generally take it as a sporting event, which is a bit strange. I kind of pump myself up. Um, they're just doing, like, chin-ups and push-ups. I don't do that. Uh, but I do pump myself up. Um, just jumping around, you know, shaking, things like that. That usually works. Get get the nervous energy out there. I also I love the um the music that's on FM radio these days because a lot of these songs have a featured rapper or a featured rapper, so you have these um beautiful, soulful R&B melodies, and then it gets to the rap verse. So it'll be like, ooh, you're so beautiful. I just want to love you till the day you die. Yeah, you ain't never seen a dick this big, this black. <laughs> My very first festival, I was trying to think of things that would appeal to people to get them to take the flyer from me. And, you know, a group of girls walked past and I went, oh, half price designer shoe sale, you know. And then, yeah, and then another guy walked past with a discman on and I said, I'll win an iPod.
people, oh, people just think, how could this be good? Been flying for about ooh, two hours. Yeah, just uh, I've already gone back and got new ones because I got rid of about 500. So I just figured, I got paper cuts to be honest. I just need to get get another 500 because yeah, I'm just doing my bit for the team. It's really hard, actually. It's harder than I thought. And it's like people want free stuff, don't they? They don't even want free to paint stuff. You get it. Oh well, I'm riding the tramps. Because I don't think Tian's done any. All day. Uh, I have been quite successful. My success rate with flyering is in the high 90s at least. You know, um, different techniques. Uh, you know, if there's a girl walking along the street and she looks a bit lonely, sometimes I'll confess my love to her and um, ask her to marry me and say, oh, well, if you won't marry me, at least take a flyer. So she'll be like, oh, okay, fine. thing is when you walk around the corner and there's one of your flies on the floor. Uh, so my routine is pretty much, it's pretty self-indulgent I suppose in a way, it's pretty much based on uh, stuff about my name, stuff about growing up and funny things that my mum does. In my quest to become an independent woman, I say things to mum like, oh, I want to join a political party, go to a rally and burn my bra. Could you drive me? <laughs> well, um, things in common that I've been doing when I was doing comedy in Spanish and also now in English. Um, in Spanish, I, I, I travel a lot before doing comedy and um, my, my approach in, in Venezuelan comedy, I, I, I I was comparing uh, once once you get outside your country you 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 take a better look of yourself as a culture and compare and it was I was having fun and enjoying different stupid things that we have as a culture I love Australia it's, it's great I love you guys you guys are amazing because Australian people you you guys enjoy life you keep your inner child alive 
And I know this because Australia is the only country in the world where a bowl of chips is considered as a complete meal. <laughs> I, uh, I do a little bit of uh, political stuff. Um, talk about boat people, talk about the Iraq war, talk about you know, smoking or whatever. Um, just, just random like observations that I see. You know. I, I notice the strangest shit in pornos now. I really do. I was watching a porno the other day, and uh, in this one scene, there was this delivery guy. He's uh, delivering a typewriter to this guy's house, but the guy's not home, so his wife answers the door. She opens the door, she lets him in, he comes in, he puts a typewriter down, and then she just starts blowing him. And I'm like, yeah, fair enough, maybe that happens, I don't fucking know, you know? I've never worked as a delivery man before, what the fuck do I know? But the whole time, in the back of my head, I'm just thinking, what, who the fuck's he uses a typewriter? Like... Talk about current events. I, I like to talk about the news and sports and, I don't know, how much I hate myself at times. Awkward things that I've done. Aussie blokes the greatest. I was talking to my dad's mate, and he's this big fat bloke, right? And uh, he goes, yeah, no, nah, I used to like Lance. Yeah, and you know, I liked him for a while, but uh, when I found out that he was on the roids, I was like, nah, all those Tour de France's he want to bullshit now. They don't even count. They don't even count. Because if I had steroids, I could have won the Tour de France seven times as well. Get fucked. No, you couldn't, okay? Every Australian male thinks that with one injection of steroids, all of a sudden they're the Hulk. Do you know what I mean? Like, they don't have to work for it. It's like the mushroom Nintendo, and all of a sudden, <laughs> I've gone from loser to Superman overnight. It's not the way it works. Do you know what I mean? Had that guy had access to steroids, he'd be the same loser, but with back acne. That's who he'd be. That would be the only difference. A lot of it, it's, it's very high energy. Uh, it's generally my observations of not so much society, but things that I find annoying in society. Like I've got a joke about television, uh, radio. I'll just listen to like AM radio and just be like, this is stupid. Are there any fans of uh, Aussie rap in here? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> What's your name? Andrew. Andrew, who do you listen to? Hilltop. Hilltop, they're all right. Like I don't mind Hilltop, but I feel like, you know, 90% of Aussie rappers are just kind of like unemployed bogans. You know, like, I just feel like it sounds really wrong with the Australian accent. Like, um, I have this wannabe Aussie rapper friend, right? And he was telling me about this girl that he liked, and it just sounded really wrong. Like, if he was, if he was a genuine black guy, he would have said something like, Hey, yo, Neil, you know Charlene? Yeah, I'm feeling her, dog. But uh, when he said it, it was kind of like, Hey, yo, Neil, you know Charlene? I'm feeling her, dog. <laughs> Uh, I always like to wear black because uh, I don't know, just it's just basic. And I was always afraid to like dress up heaps when I did comedy. You know, you don't want to look 
like, oh, look at this guy. So I just always, always wear as much plain colours as possible. I always like Johnny Cash as well. And uh, I saw that film Walk the Line, and I was always like, oh, that's cool. You just wear black. Just let the jokes do stuff, I guess. I don't want to be that guy that has a big slogan T-shirt. He's got some guy, you know, see some comedians come out with, like, a joke on their shirt, and they think the audience is going to be like, oh, look at his shirt. He must be hilarious. I hate that. So just wear plain and get out there. first started doing stand-up all my friends were like yeah you're not really that funny what are you i got that from all my cousins all my friends were like yeah you're not really that funny but the thing is that they don't understand that comedy is more than about being funny like a fat lady falling down the stairs is funny like a a, a, sh a fruit shaped like a penis is funny you know jackass is funny but comedy is more than funny comedy is a craft it's an art they don't understand what goes into being uh, a comedian <laughs> knows this and now I'm gonna share this with everyone I really love infomercials um. <sighs> hey Simon oh I can't think of anything to say uh, I am well I'm 18 still about to turn 19 um, I, I guess I'm an average sort of guy. Uh, I do have kind of like, uh, I don't know how to describe myself. This is really weird. Um, Heyman isn't a dork. <laughs> Not true. Uh, what kind of a guy am I? That's a deep question, isn't it? Who am I? Uh, I think that question we ask ourselves on a daily basis, where we fit into the web of life. What are we doing? Do we uh, have anything to offer the world? Are we of any worth? I like to think I am. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. That's why I'm doing this whole thing, you know? Um, Heyman is not very normal. No, I don't want to say that. I'm um, kind of laid back, but I do work hard. Um, ambitious, I guess. So I guess that kind of contradicts laid back. Heyman is her mother's favourite youngest human daughter. Beat that. I am like a long-term backpacker. So I, I've been travelling the world, but two years here, two years there. And um, 
I've been I've studied so I, I'm like but different stuff like I love cooking and baking and then I started brewing and then, then I've been doing stand-up for five years so I'm like a like an ocean of knowledge but one inch deep <laughs> everything no matter how bad things are you can see the bright side of things it's amazing I was talking to an Australian friend and he's been like 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 my Australian my, my Australian mentor and I said hey mate Vegemite, Vegemite's too salty. Now, mate, just need to put a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> All right, sausage rolls, they taste like shit. I hate sausage rolls. They're horrible. I don't like sausage rolls. Now, mate, you just need to put some tomato sauce on it. <laughs> All right, what about VB? I don't like VB. It's a terrible beer. I hate VB. VB is a horrible beer. I hate it. Now, mate, you just need to be unemployed to enjoy it. I'm, I'd much rather be like, if I could just write jokes and have like a robot tell it for me on stage, I'd much rather that. I just hate, I mean, I love performing, but then I just can't handle the nerves, you know? It's just too much sometimes. I'm, I'm glad to be here, man, I really am. Like, there's no, I'm glad to be born here in Australia, you know what I mean? Like, there's no doubt in my mind that if I wasn't born here, I'd be in a fucking factory right now making an iPhone or some shit. <laughs> or carrying some fat tourist on my back <laughs> over a river crossing, you know? That's what I'd be doing, dude. But I'm not, I'm here on stage talking shit to a bunch of strangers. Someone called me up, right? Um, called telemarketer. And uh, he called me up and I said, hello. And he goes, how you going? And then he like got into his spiel. And then I said, how's your day been? I said that to him. Didn't have to, he could have just hung up. So. Uh, what kind of a guy do you think I am? Obviously a good one, because I take my time out for people. I always take... Someone says to me, oh, here's the word of the Lord. I'm an atheist, but I'll take that flyer, because, again, I like to think I'm a good guy. There's a guy, right, who was 16 who raced in the Clipsal this year. He's doing the V8 circuit, right? He's 16 years old on his L's racing in the Clipsal 500. That's amazing. When I first read that story, I was like, shit, how's he going to win when he can only go 80 k's an hour? That's fucking... <laughs> He's a talented kid, he's got his mum in the front seat. Slow down, it's not a race. Bitch, it is. I think you're fine. I observe a lot of things and I'll recreate them. So I can do like impressions and things like that. Uh, if I see something that I don't like, I'll generally, you know, try to not so much kind of just make my opinion heard, but do it in a comedic sort of subtle way. Um, Amos was talking about the uh, Olympics before, and uh, as much as I love the London Olympics, I think I prefer the Beijing Olympics just a bit more, just because of the medal ceremony. Do you guys remember that? The winner of this gold medal, Australia. Le vainqueur de cette médaille de l'Australie. Australia. My favourite part of my routine is um, the story that I tell at the end of my set, which is a true story uh, about a lady who came up to me in an op shop. I was trying on high heels and she, she said to me, she said, take them off, you're too tall already <laughs> and you'll never get a boyfriend. <laughs> and the bitch wasn't wrong. I love them all. They're, they're, you know, they're my babies. Uh, I think there's every comedian, they, they just love um, their babies. And, and, you know, the good... Sometimes you feel really excited about telling a joke when it's brand new, when you just 
that excitement of oh, it, that that feeling is it gonna work? There's one thing I'm really afraid of. I'm not talking about spiders or snakes. I'm talking about why do you have that many TV ads for funeral insurance? <laughs> How expensive can be dying here in Australia for Christ's sake? And this is Australia, you have a lot of space to bury people. So if grandpa dies, take him for a road trip. And if, if grandpa doesn't like to be buried, you have a lot of sharks. Yeah, instead of white lady funerals, great white lady funeral. <laughs> Funeral service and a family fishing trip. Yeah, I finalized my, my smoking card. That, that's pretty, because um, I'm talking about the, pers the perspective of, of a smoker and it just feels good because I'm always being told off for smoking. It just feels good to tell someone else off for telling me off, you know, like, it's like a revenge fantasy, pretty much. Stop doing shit on behalf of me. That's what bugs the fuck out of me, man. Just leave me the fuck alone. You know what I mean? Stop doing shit on behalf of me. Like, look at what they're doing with cigarettes. Why are we making it so hard for smokers to get cigarettes? 20 bucks a pack, plain packaging, photo of some guy's foot looks like he kicked a lawnmower, <laughs> and then dipped it in acid. Why do I need to see this shit, you know? Everyone agrees that the world is, is heading towards overpopulation. We're running out of resources. Stop trying to keep everyone alive. Just let me have my cigarette so I can smoke it, die early, get out of the way, and make space for the next round of people coming up, you know? We honestly don't have the capacity to let everyone live an extra 20 years, so all I'm saying is if smokers are willing to volunteer to take the hit, fuck it, let them. We should be getting an eco-friendly award for fuck's sakes. I do like talking about shitting in, a, in Sarah's bag because... I just didn't like her at school, so every time I tell that story, I go, oh yeah, I got her good. That was pretty funny. That was, that was hilarious. What are my regrets? When someone says, hello, and I say, good thanks, that's it. <laughs> like, social awkwardness is as much as I've got to regret at this point in my life. Like, I've done, I also shat in a girl's bag once. Um, yeah, <laughs> your mate, you were like, fuck, uh, my, your eyes just said, can I get a refund? And you looked to the door. I did, I did a shit in a girl's bag, so. I can, you're, you're just about to tuck your handbag under the seat. I have a joke about the English language that I really like. That always gets a good laugh, so that's a good one. You know, the English language is a bit strange. Like, we've got these weird rules and weird grammar and things like that. Like, I have this theory, right, that the English language was kind of tampered with by this drunk, insane, bitter Scotsman. And he was just kind of like, Oh, you're going to call it English, are you? All right, well, I've just made a few minor adjustments. All these words starting with the letter N, knife, knowledge, kneecap. No, they're going to start with the letter K. <laughs> yeah, it's this thing I created called silent letters. Because sometimes, despite being there for everyone to see, people just don't listen to you, do they, England? <laughs> and you know what? I don't think the letter C and the letter K are enough letters to represent the K sound. So I've created the letter Q. But Q can't do anything without the letter U. That's called teamwork, England. expect from the show uh, a great time like it's it's such an awesome lineup it's five really good 
up-and-coming comics and, you know, they'll love it. It's good. They're really good. And it's really hard to find a comedian to say, oh, yeah, they're great. Like, this is five other people that are coming from my job, you know. <laughs> so, no, they're great. They're really good. They're really good. Go and see it. Hello audience, as you are aware, I am part of a uh, Melbourne International Comedy Festival show known as Comedy Zone, one of five comedians on the bill. Handpicked by the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. And it's everyone doing their best 10 minutes, so there's no real filler. It's just flat out our best, I think, well, our best things we can say. We've thought about it for a few years, and this is the 10, so we've thought about this for three years, and then 10 minutes of that thinking, like the best 10 minutes that can come out of our heads we will say to you so you can have them for a nominal price. Happening at Trades Hall for the Melbourne International Comedy Festival every night, 8.15. You won't regret it. I think for the punter to come to the Comedy Zone one year, see a few people do 10 minutes they like and they can come back the next year and see them do an hour and then hopefully follow them through their whole career. And then in five years' time, when they've got a TV show or they're doing commercial radio or doing a musical or whatever they can say, well, I saw them at Trades Hall in 2013. I'd like to leave now, please. Am I OK to leave? Am I, am I free to go? Okay. Let's have a round of applause for everyone we saw tonight. We saw Neil Kohatka. We saw Heyman Kent. Ivana Ristagetta. And one more time for Tian Tran. And let's have another round of applause for Amos. Wonderful job as MC.